Welcome to Serving Aces. I'm Alexander Stevenson, and I have with me my best co-host, Oog Levadier, a.k.a. Oogie. Welcome, Oogie. How are you doing tonight? Hi, Alex. How are you? I'm great, thanks. Another good weekend passed us by. We had a big clay court bonanza going on. I mean, it's the red clay season right now. We had four tournaments, only one women's tournament and three men's, but the women are kicking up. They're starting and it was Stuttgart, the Porsche tournament. Sviantek won, so I pretty sure she wins a Porsche if that rule still stands. If you win the tournament, you get a Porsche. Oh, sorry, Porsche. Mm -hmm. The proper auto term, right, is Porsche. Proper Deutsch pronunciation (laughs) there, So Iga will be very happy. She won the tournament and a Porsche. There you go. So she's got best of both worlds. She can drive that Porsche from Germany to Poland. It's right there. Yeah, pretty close, huh? One highway home. (laughs) And then we had Barcelona. Carlos Alcaraz strikes again. My man. Your favorite. Hey, he defended his first title. Is that so funny to think of that Carlos Alcaraz, after the year he's had, is still only into his second year of defending titles? Second year on tour, this is his first defense. That's right. I mean, he's going to have a lot more, but such a young career and already winning tournaments. And second year, he's defending titles. Uh, sometimes he's getting injuries, he's getting hurt, he's coming back and winning right away. That's not easy to do. Yeah, that's impressive. Because we saw Djokovic uh, a couple of weeks back, and he had a bad, bad loss against a fellow countryman. So that was that was a, something that didn't happen a lot for Djokovic. You know, lost yeah. to Djokovic. So, yeah. And and watching Alcaraz play, he he his legs looked stronger than they did at Indian Wells. He looked like he bulked up just a little bit. Yeah, I mean, when he's off, you know, he's injured a little bit, but he still works those legs for sure. I mean, that's why I'm picking his physical team almost every time for fantasy coach. Uh, you know, he's got one of the best teams for for physical, and uh, you know, when Carlos Ferrero, he's got he's got a lot going on there. So his team is great, and uh, yeah, he looks like he's fitter from tournament to tournament. So how can you get injured, have to default or not finish your tournament, and then get stronger to the next tournament? I mean, maybe he has got a you know hyperbar room close to you know in his a house hyperbaric or something. So, chamber. He, he exactly. Might. He might. I mean, to get, to get yeah. Those help you recover. I know Novak loves that, and I've been in a pod before, the hyperbaric yeah. chamber pod. A little, it's like a little egg, and you sit in there. And let me tell you, Oogie, when I went in one, I played Memphis. I actually played Midland, the indoor tournament into memphis which for the women they started having memphis along with the men and it was in february and it's indoors Mm -hmm. and i played all the way through i think qualies through midland into the quarters lost had to get on a plane the next day i did like qualies in memphis qualified in beat the number one seed sophia ardvison at the time because it was a smaller tournament and then got to the quarters there and that I the week before that, those two weeks, the week before Midland, I was in a hyperbaric chamber at Gordon House, who is friends with Novak in Pennsylvania, in New Jersey. I had gone there to practice at his academy for the week and he let me use it. And wow. let me tell you, Oogie, 
I had some pimples on my face. They cleared up. I, I went two weeks. I felt amazing. So it really does work. For sure. It works. And how long did you, did you stay in, in the, in that chamber? And was it a half an hour or was it? It was about 30 to 40 minutes and you had to breathe in and hold your ears and then you had to let go of your ears so that they wouldn't pop because it takes you to different levels of elevation. You go up and down and it brings, it's like you're flying in an airplane, except you're sitting in a pod and it gets really cold and you just breathe with it. Some people sleep, but I like to breathe and pop my ears so that they wouldn't get too plugged. And I'm mm-hmm. telling you, Oogie, if I could have one in my house, I would. For sure. I mean, see how much you recovered, and uh, yeah, I don't know exactly what what's happening, but the you know the atmospheric changes it just helps you like to recover and probably build some cells in your body to get you know to recuperate oh, more and much faster. Regenerates, and so far on WADA, the World Doping Association, they have not outruled the hyperbaric chambers yet. So a lot of athletes still use them and I think they're very helpful and I got to try it and I definitely, it made a difference. For sure. I mean, especially on, on clay, since this is clay season. So, I mean, all these guys and girls are playing so many matches and long rallies. And so, I mean, if you get a chance to, to get those chambers going, I mean, for sure you can have to take advantage of it. I'm, I'm glad you were able to do it. You know, you experienced that. Yeah, it was great. Well, I got to give a little shout out. I know it uh, it was the past weekend, but uh, Rublev won his first ATP Masters title. Huge, huge. Very impressive. And talking about training, Carlos Alcaraz is training. Rublev has stepped up his training. And Mm -hmm. he really talked about that all week and how it made a difference. And he felt comfortable going in the tournament. He didn't know he was going to win it, but he knew he had gone to a different level. Exactly. I mean, he's he was he practiced without Carez actually in first event like two weeks ago. So the, those guys were battling on the court and teasing each other. Oh, this is Andre Rublev. He's hitting so hard. You're my idol. I'm like, well, I'm only eighth in the world. You're number one, so you're my idol. So guys had much respects toward each other, and uh, it was nice to see. And uh, yeah, I mean, I'm I'm happy for Rublev because uh, as you saw the match a little bit. I mean, Holger you know, was a little bit, you know, cocky towards the end. And he got booed when he's, he smashed a couple of balls out, you know, outside the stadium and people in the crowd didn't, didn't like that at all. He, he started getting booed and that got Rublev back in the match because he was up 4-1 and even had points to get 5-1 up in the mm-hmm. third set. And that would have clinched the match for sure because he would have served for the match at 5-1. So big turnaround for Rublev and, you know, just laying on clay, doing a na- snow angel on red clay and when he won. So that was... That was super for him. I'm happy. Yeah, that was a great win. We got to discuss a little bit the Medvedev-Zverev altercation, Oogie. Wow, look at that. What happened there? I mean, those those are two guys that are like 6'6", huge stars, one from Russia, one from Germany. Uh, both have Russian backgrounds, Zverev, yes. you know, sounds very Russian. So, uh, you know, they they don't like each other from a while. So that's been going on. And then when you put a little gas into the fire it just explodes sometimes and uh Zverev lost that match to Medvedev and uh said like Medvedev uh was bad sportsmanship and he's getting away with the refs and he's not getting you know warnings when he should and and after the match that's what he said in the conference press and the handshake was really shaky was cold so uh cold as Medvedev wrote on that camera right 
exactly that's what he wrote on camera I'm like oh what's going on there and they're in monte carlo come on it's super well, nice well, weather so, some of the articles i read were like well was it cold because of the altercation or cold because of the weather <laughs> that's I thought funny. that was funny they were trying to yeah. be nice well zvera did complain about a toilet break and it's so funny because on both tours we have issues with bathroom breaks aka toilet breaks yeah we had Sitsipas do something at the U.S. Open that got he got him in trouble going off for yeah. a toilet break. We've Chokovin had count, joke. Yeah. We've had countless women do it, so it's not a male versus female thing. It's more mm -hmm. of a player. Let's change the rhythm of the match thing, unless it's an emergency. But usually, it isn't. Yeah, I mean, you go out after you lose a set. I mean, come on, this is not an emergency, a hundred percent of the time. For sure, there's no oh, yeah. way that emergency happens whenever you don't expect it. So whenever you lose a set, it's, there's no way. So uh, players get away with it. There's no rules against that. So you just... Well, you and the umpire break, has to allow you to do it. So if you... Look, I've yeah. had a toilet break. I've had a change of clothes break when I've lost mm -hmm. a set like 7-6 and it's really humid and I'm drenched and I need to change my socks. I've never yeah. actually taken a toilet break to go to the toilet. Exactly. I've usually just gone to change my clothes, but I have never done it where I've lost like 6-0 and said, oh, I need a break. Now I've played against players who have done that to me because they want to break my rhythm with my serve. Mm -hmm. When you're a big server, a big hitter, that's a tactic that coaches will use to say, oh, we'll break our rhythm, go off the court. Yeah. And unfortunately, it works because let's say you, you just want to set. So you've got the momentum going on, strategies working, and whenever you're losing in tennis, things are going faster. So you want to slow down, you know, in football, you can take a timeout, you know, you can, there's stuff you can do. It's somebody can fake an injury on the ground and stay there for five minutes. There's no clock on that. You know, unfortunately, in soccer, you know, it happens in a lot of sports, but tennis, you have to play through. There's going to be a clock somewhere and it's going to be enforced unless that, in between sets, you say I have to toilet break and, oh, it's very far. And, oh, it's too bad. I have to go. Come on. So that's, you know, put some toilets like right close to the, to the court or something. I don't well, know, just the, the both tours have done that where they've put bathrooms a little yeah. bit closer. Sometimes it's impossible to find a bathroom yeah. where you can put it closer, but they've tried. It, it's just, it's a tough thing when you're, what you said, you're not on a team, you're playing by yourself. And if it's really hot, you, you can't tell the player they can't change their clothes. But mm -hmm. then how do you tell if they're doing it unfairly? I mean, yeah. most of the time you can tell. But then how do you, you know, police that? That's the tough thing, I think, with the yeah. rules. And, you know, tennis always has lots of rules. But I think yeah. the tough thing is how do you police it to make it fair for everybody? You're right. And I think... The first thing they they're, they're, they have to do is to make a limit for time. It has to be, let's say, five minutes. Oh no, we have a limit for time. So you in between you, sets. In between sets, you go off, and it's well, it's within reasonable time. See, but, so I, what's the reasonable time, Alex? Tell me. I I now Ugi, I wasn't prepared to discuss the timing of it, and I should know this, but I haven't had a toilet break in a while, and I know the right. third set is is five minutes if you're in a heat break, you mm -hmm. get five minutes, a change of ends, 
I think you get about a minute and a half to three minutes. They assume that's within reasonable time. Yeah. But a lot so, of the times the umpire or the linesman that walks with you doesn't really clock it. They walk in, let you change, yeah. go. But the clock is on the, the tennis court. So I'm saying as soon as that that player leaves the court, yes. the, clock's, the clock has to start. And, and I know the umpires have been minutes. lenient. Let's just say five minutes. Yeah. So if you're not on the court after five minutes, you're losing a point. Yeah. That's all there's to it. That, and, I, I could be for that. You know, and it exactly. definitely changed. Hey, Medvedev, he was like, I'll play the villain. You know, he loves to play a villain, Oogie, like the WWE wrestling. He's the villain. He Remember oh, the US right. Open when all those guys were booing oh, yeah. him a couple years ago? And mm -hmm. he kept going, yes, bring more of it. Exactly. He loves, he loves it. it. And and in Indian Wells, whenever he was, you know, saying the speech yeah, or the runner-up speech, he was saying, Oh, I love the court now and ta ta ta. And so I mean, he's playing he's a little actor, he loves it, and he's smart, he's really smart. Yeah, so and he's mentally he knows tough what's and, going on. And Zverev, he cracked. Hey, at the end of the day, it's yep. whoever's mentally tough, and he did a little bit a little bit less than Medvedev and he cracked. Exactly. So let's get that five minutes shot clock going on and that's it and then you've got five minutes yeah R run towards the if you want to change your clothes but it's got to be five minutes maximum so whoever just won that set can just you know relax a couple minutes and then okay a couple more and then let's play because yeah. otherwise yeah. they take 10 minutes and 10 minutes that's way too long you have time to cool long. down your body's cramping like this and the other one is in the is in the bathroom changing clothes stretching probably drinking fluids Taking Come a on, cold shower. On? That's if anything can go in for 10 minutes, that's a long time. So, and the other person sitting on the court, you know, watching his box. And yeah, that's got to that's change. Well, so, Ugi, have you ever gotten in an altercation on the court or in the locker room after a match? No locker rooms. So, that's that would have been not nice <laughs> because no. <laughs> Uh, on the court, a little bit of, you know, a little, little bit of talking sometimes, you know, uh, but of course, you know, you, when you want to win and uh, you don't want to get cheated and stuff like that. So whenever there's a bad call, I was, I would always say stuff like, you have to on, stand man. up for yourself. Always uh, with experience, because at first, you know, when you're 12 or 14, it's tougher to get that experience and that, you know, that vibe of, of standing up for yourself. But whenever you're an adult, uh, the best way to, you know, the best way to do it and for all the, the kids listening and the parents is, is just to say to the opponent, are you sure? And then the person's going to say, yeah, I'm sure of that call. And then you say, you know what? The balls that you're hitting when they land on my side, I call your balls. So, you know what I'm saying? If, if, if you're aware that your balls, I'm going, you know, I'm, a, I'm the, I'm the master of calling your shots. So exactly. if you call fair, I can do the same, but I don't want to go there. I don't want to do that. I just want to play tennis today. And so if you say that real super cool, that person is going to get the message and it's it's done. Every time I said that, that just, that's it. That, that did the trick. Well, Oogie, I ha I, you're a little nicer than me. <laughs> well, I had to learn. I was always nice as a junior, but I had to learn how to be tough and stick up for myself. And so mm -hmm. I did go up to the net a couple times and say, yep. look, you can't be calling my balls out that aren't out. If you keep doing that, the first serve you hit is going to be called out every mm -hmm. time. Yep. And then they look at you and they go, what? And you go, yeah, that's what's going to happen. And then they stop doing it, right? You kind of have to bully the bully a little bit in tennis. And I hate to say that because you would hope that in tennis you're always fair, but it's 
especially in the juniors right now. I have a couple players out playing juniors. You do too. And you know it's gotten worse. Mm -hmm. And so I tell my players just what you said. You go up to the net. You said it nicer than me, but I said you go up to the net and you say, look, you sure that was out? And they'll go, yes, I'm sure. And you go, okay. Well, my side of the court, what you said, the next ball you hit is going to be called out. And that's the, right. and usually if it's a girl, they go, yeah, right. And then you follow it up and they get all upset. And You're but right. then they stop. Yeah, they did. They do just one time that that guy didn't stop. He actually hooked me one more time. And then the next time he served, I stopped the ball and it was the middle of the court. I stopped it with my hand. I just, it bounced in and I stopped it and I said, out. He's like, what? Yep. I'm like, just as out as the ball I just I've hit. I've done that dude. too. So, and that was it. He didn't, he didn't do it again. Then they but, don't do it, but you have terrible, to stop but... them. And I actually had a girl yep. in the challengers. She kept calling my aces out That's and it worse. was so annoying. And I walked up to her and I was beating her like six, one, three, oh. And she, she, I said, why do you keep calling my ace out when it's clearly in and I can see it? And she goes, well, I just need some points here. So I'm taking the shot. She actually had the nerve to tell me that. And I no said, way. I said, really? And she goes, yeah, I figured I could just take a couple off you. I, at least she was honest, Doogie. But I almost fell over on the court as I was standing up <laughs> looking at her going, did you really just tell me that? <laughs> There's no way. Yeah, so, That's terrible. So I that said, okay. Well, then if you hit an ace on me, I'm going to call it out. And she's like, but I mean, that's unfair. And I said, but you can't just take points because you want to get back on the scoreboard. It was pretty, that, it was pretty nuts. No and that was only I mean, about six years ago, Oogie. Wow. It was I mean, a, it was that, a co former college player. And you know what? Whenever somebody cheats in tennis, it's because they need that to win. So they're actually not that good mm -hmm. because- Whoever's at the top of the rankings, they don't cheat. You don't, I mean, need don't to have cheat. to cheat. They're no. exactly it. So, and if you're if you're winning at anything by cheating, then that's not really winning anyway. So, yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's, that's all right. It. So we're in the clay season as we're discussing, and I know we're watching professional tennis players playing on clay, and it's red clay. We had a little bit of a green clay season for the women in Charleston, and we had Francis Tiafa win his first tournament in two years it's his second ATP tour title, but it was, it was a couple of years since maybe four years since he won his last one. And it was on red clay in Houston. Nice. And it's very rare to be on red clay in America, but Houston does have red clay courts. I'm not sure if they're the same as Europe, but it was lovely to see Francis get a win and a big That's ATP huge. tour win. That was a great day. It's it's big for him because anytime an American player wins on clay, that's, you know, that's an extra win. It's like winning in the playoffs in the NFL on the opposite field because yeah. you're not playing, you're not playing at home. Even if I, you, if, even if yeah, you're playing in the U.S. Exactly. I and mean, you know, we had our American picks in episode true. six when nobody yeah, picked Francis, but that's okay. I hesitated. I we hesitated might have to pick him, him Fritz. the next week or something. That's all right. You it's picked true. Fritz. That was still a good pick. So, Ugi, you got to discuss what's the difference of playing on red clay versus green clay, which all of us Americans and Canadians are used mm -hmm. to playing on. 
That's right. We have green clay. Uh, green clay is because we have uh, the, uh, green clay is the stones. The color of the stones there is, you know, more gray, grayish. It's called green clay. Hard that's true. Actually gray. Hard true. Yeah, hard true. Exactly. That's the name. And uh, so it's it's bigger. The, the small piece of rocks are a little bit bigger than the red clay is 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 bricks. So mm -hmm. ground crushed up bricks, red bricks. Yeah, on top of the you know you've seen the houses in Italy and Germany and France and it's red. So that's what that's what that stuff is, and that's way thinner. So that's like uh, flour when you uh, you use it uh, you know to cook something. It's really thin. So when you've seen uh, like three years ago at the Roland Garros. It was windy that one day that Federer and Nato were playing, and it was all over the place. I mean, the red clay was just dusting everywhere because it's so thin, and you can only wet it so much because the ball has to, you know, bounce on it. Uh, so there's many differences because on red clay you skid much more. So yes. whenever you hit into the open court and you and that you see that person coming back towards the middle of the court, you go behind them because they won't be able to go back because they have to stop, skid, and then move again. It's too late. That ball's gone uh, on green clay in, in the U.S. and Canada because it's a North American thing. Um, it's, you know, it has to be really dry in order to skid. If it's really, if it's wet, you just wet the court, it's not going to skid as much. It's so sticky. You, yeah, you can actually play a little bit more like on hard court. You can just rally cross court and the same angles going on and you skid of course but not as much and not as long so the time to recuperate towards the middle of the court is much faster and that's so, one of the reasons yeah. why i was better on green clay than, for sure and red clay i didn't have the time to learn when i was yeah. when i started playing professional at 18 i'd never played on red clay and i went into the french open and just got killed because it was like wait sure. a minute it's so smooth. How do you move on this thing? And I didn't know, I know. how to slide right because I was used to sliding on the green clay. It You're was right. very difficult. I, it was. I, I was my not first a red time. clay player, Oogie. Um, I know. And for me, it, quite the opposite. Actually, I was born on clay. I was whenever I started playing tennis at age of eleven in Canada. I started to play on clay. My first summer, three months on clay. So but it I was got to green learn. clay, right? Yeah, it was green yeah. clay, but still was able to get some, you know, you know, some some balance issues. Yes. So I gotta I gotta move, gotta work on that and using my drop shot, mixing the pace, looping shots. So all that strategy that we can do on on clay, which is really important. And that's one of the reasons why we had a little gap in the US for the development of the players. Uh, you know, women and men, they didn't play on on clay. I mean, a couple of years back, then maybe more because the Orlando site and now the national well, campus they, a little bit more. They did have, well, they always, they had Jose Garris, you know, the yeah. great Spanish player. And they, um, I used to go to him in the desert and practice on green clay a little bit growing up as a junior. And he was part of the USTA program. And then they brought him in bigger and he reformed the whole system 10 yeah. years or 15 years ago or 10 years ago after I was a junior, of course. Mm -hmm. And that's why players now can play better on green clay because he put so many tournaments in America, which when I was coming back, I hated because everything was on green clay then, but it did <laughs> help the developmental system of the players yeah. coming up, being able to play hard court versus clay court and and the shot selection i just think they kind of overdid it with how many green clay tournaments they had yeah it's true i mean in canada we actually have 
when uh, the national events and provincial events under 10 12 and 14 it's mandatory to all these tournaments in the summer are on clay i don't know about you guys but after that 16 and 18 you play on hard but before under 14 and under That's it's smart it's all clay so that's yeah, good. to develop and rally more and you know, and you know, stay so in that's, the rally. Yeah, Get good so you, footwork. you didn't play. You didn't play on clay that much when you were growing up, right? Is that it? You're no, saying? I the oh. first time I played is when I made Orange Bowl, and this Ooh. is you'll like this story. I made Orange Bowl. I was twelve or eleven, okay. mm -hmm. and my mom and I flew down to Florida, and it was when Venus and Serena had already moved down there with Richard. Okay. And it was the first time I was going to see them since I had been playing Venus in Southern Cal. Then mm -hmm. she, my mom did the story on her in the New York Times and they moved to, they didn't move because of the story, but it was all because of what was going on in Venus. They moved to Florida, worked with Rick yeah. Macy and Richard exactly. built his tennis courts at his house. And mm -hmm. so Richard invited us over before my match to their house and to see what his tennis courts and i went um well serena wanted me to go jet skiing in their lake my mom was like no way you have a tennis match you're not going jet skiing serena, serena just wanted to have fun with yes. you and samantha said yes no <laughs> no because she had to play but they actually came to my match and it was in some park in down in miami beach was mm -hmm. where orange they used to put the 12s or maybe it was the 14s. I can't remember. I think it was the 14s as I was playing up. So I must have been 11. And I got killed. It was my first time on clay. Oh I gosh. literally had flown from Southern California, not having touched a clay court ever, and thought I could go play at Orange Bowl on clay. <laughs> it was so funny. That's and, brutal. And Serena was like, that's okay. You'll get better. Because by then they were hitting on clay. So they understood it better. But yeah. where I grew up, it's it still is. It's all hard courts. So mm -hmm. to find clay in California is very difficult. You have to go to the East Coast. You have to go to Florida. So junior tennis is still very much Southern California hard courts. That's what you get if you stay in your section. For sure. I mean, a lot, lot more cost for maintenance, you know, on clay courts. So Yeah, there's a couple that's... private clay courts. But mm -hmm. no tournaments. Maybe Northern California has some, but it's it's all hard court tennis. Yeah, there you go. Oh, but I, I had to learn bad. how to it's play good. on it eventually. But okay, so our main topic of our podcast this week is I felt like we should discuss a little bit about what we're doing with our kids in tennis and how we're coaching them. And what are you teaching? What are the basics, Oogie? And how do you teach good discipline and to have your kids always fight for the point and to not mm -hmm. call, not phone it in and just give up or come up with an excuse? Yeah, well, that's a great question and actually depends, of, you know, especially what age are they? I mean, if they're eight to 10 and they're starting to get into tennis a little bit, then, you know, we have fun with them, of course. And, but then, they start to be good, they improve, and then they want to play tournaments. And that's more into the 12-ish you know, division. And then suddenly they're 14, and now they're early teenage years. And then yes. there you go. The hormones kick in, and then what's going on? Who are you? <laughs> All right, so let's so, go from 8 to 10 first. Give me like 
a couple things that you do. I know it's about fun for that mm -hmm. age, but you also have to teach them the technique and the yeah. footwork. And it's really important that they don't mess around. How do you focus them to get them to do the right technique and footwork, but also have fun? That's exactly it. So the key is to play games and to teach them technique and strategies, basic strategies. Uh, you know, just serve down the middle of the of the service box. We put cones, chairs. Uh, I put some chocolates on their cones sometimes oh. for, for Easter. They loved that the other day. So Oh, I, I gave got... Easter candy too. I yeah. didn't put it under a cone though. Maybe I should have done that. Next year because okay. uh, I, I there's two ways that I I give them a little chocolate for that Easter lesson. So they whenever they have to hit cones, so warm up like mini tennis and then backcourt, I put some targets under cones. I put sometimes some chocolates, sometimes not. Oh, they don't like that. So because <laughs> they don't, I'm like, look over there and they don't look. Yep. And then I go around and I put some and then I don't put some. And then they're like, yes, I've got a cone. And they go, oh, there's nothing there. So they're like, <laughs> discuss with it. <laughs> But I'm taking notes, and at the end of the at the end of the lesson, I just give one to whoever had you know didn't well, that's have that. That's good. And cones yeah, yeah, are really important because it teaches them how to get the ball directionally in the spot. Seriously, it's huge. Every practice, there's got to be cones. They're right there beside my uh, my courts, and I've got some uh, uh, you know getting back for footwork. You know, like yellow lines we can put there mm -hmm. to you know. And do you have a ladder? That. Uh, yeah, that's for that's for footwork. That's a little different. Yeah. But I'm saying every lesson we have cones, targets, and then we have little yellow pieces so we can get back there, get it, get back to you know where tactically the replacement. Uh, so that's really important because that's whenever you, you want to put the ball there. Why? So we we you know with cones, uh, you hit your targets. Sometimes with good kids, I put put the target two rackets length from the baseline. Mm -hmm. That's pretty deep. So if you hit there and you hit close to the cone, you're, I mean, you're bugging the opponent because you're yeah. hitting so deep. Uh, so, you know, we have fun with that. Well, and, and at every age, the, I mean, I use cones for every age group. That's really mm -hmm. important. But the eight to 10 year olds, if you can get them at eight to 10, it's so important because then at the 12 to 14, they're playing a match or they're playing points and you go, where's your target? And they go, I don't know. <laughs> Exactly. Because they didn't have it when they're so a lot of the times I get kids that I didn't have at eight to 10 or 11. And then mm -hmm. the 12 to 14 is the tough part because they can talk back to you. Right. That's <laughs> and they right. Can and say, like, they can say, I don't know. And yeah. th that's the favorite answer. I don't know. But it's because know. of the targets and the directions. It's so helpful when they're little to get yeah. them to read where the ball's going and to hit that spot that 12 to 14 to teach it is you got to every week, you just got to keep repeating it because it's hard for their brains to have it stick when they play a match. Have you automatic. found that? Yeah. Have you found that same thing when you have yeah, somebody because... like from 12 to 14 that's starting mm -hmm. to take it more seriously, they don't have their spots and it's hard for them to get there. Quickly. It's not as nat it's not as natural. You're totally right. I mean, all that work, be, you know, be, when you start, and then there's suddenly you're seven and eight and nine and ten, and all those those four years are very important because that's when that's where you you set your you set your stuff. So the targets and the warm ups and the little routines and mm -hmm. your stretching afterwards and you know a little game plan going on. Yeah, you're playing a match tomorrow. Um, how are you going to play, Mark? Or 
Julie or what's going on. Mm -hmm. uh, okay. Uh, so whenever you get a couple of very experienced, then yeah, you get the game plans going and it's kind of easier to, to, you know, work your way into that and to see the game styles. You know, I think that's one of the main reasons that my kids are successful because I teach them the game styles and the solutions against each, each and every one of them. So yep. that's a big part. And as soon as, you know, we're having fun and then we're putting the technique and the physical, you know, the footwork and then boom, right into tactics and game plans. So game style. So that's super important. And it's just, you know, year after year, you know, you put pieces together and suddenly three or four years after you, you have a tennis player. Yeah. <laughs> and they know what they're doing. That I, I totally agree. And some of the kids I have are part-time players or they play twice a week or three times a week. So it's tougher to get continuity. Yeah. But some of the kids I have come more and they're playing tournaments and it's fun to watch them where you do you do the patterns and you do the targets and then you watch them play points and then they're putting it together and you go, oh, they actually are listening. That's <laughs> and right. It's working. But the discipline, Oogie, I found that to be the hardest part is to transfer my discipline to the kids that I'm coaching and make them understand that if you just give a hundred percent every time you're going to keep improving. But if you give a hundred percent once and then you coast or you lose focus for 10 minutes, it's just up and down and it's, right. it's hard. I, maybe cause it's as a professional tennis player, you're always giving a hundred percent. And then mm -hmm. I have to have empathy that <laughs> they're yeah. not going to be professional tennis players. But I don't know. It's, it, this part is hard for me to like make them understand when you yeah. get on the court, just give me 100% every time. And even if it's not your best, at least you're trying to get to your best. That's you're what right. I, that's the tough part. Cause I feel like kids don't want to go through that wall or jump over the other side of the mountain. They don't want to feel the pain and mm -hmm. it's not even pain. It's just hard work. Like I've one girl that says, oh, this is tiring. Like it's supposed to be tiring. Of course. Right. If you're giving yourself a hundred percent. You're going to yeah. be tired. Yeah. I've banned, sure. I've banned the word tiring from now on, <laughs> but <laughs> so how do you get your young students? Do you have that in mm -hmm. on your court oh. where they don't want to I give mean, 100%? Trust me, every academy has that. It's the same struggle we have every country in the world, every academy, for sure. For sure. Because, I mean, the best academies have it a little bit less, but they still have it. Because yeah. the more people that are invested into their own project and they can see, okay, I want to go there. I want to do this. I want to play this tournament. Of course, if... If you have 50 kids that are all like that, then, but I mean, who, ha, who has that? Nobody. Who has that? So <laughs> what do you, you do know? for your, for your kids? I'll tell yeah, you what well, I do. And then you tell me what you do. Okay. That's, that sounds great. I mean, look at that. We're going to help each other too and help <laughs> our, our listeners as well. And the, the main thing for me, I think the number one priority is always to put emphasis into my kid's head about what is your goal? Why are you doing this? That's the main thing for me. If I'm able to talk, you know, a lot and and make them do a game plan and do maybe like a three months little planning and mm -hmm. uh, they can set their own goals because it's not my goals. Listen, you're, you're 11, you're 12, you're eight. Give me, what do you want to do? 
What do you want to work on? Where do you see yourself improving? Do you want to play a tournament later on? Do you just want to, sometimes, you know what? They just want to beat their best friend who's over there and yeah. they're struggling to beat, <laughs> yep. you know? And that's whenever I know that, okay, I've got my game plan for them. So, uh, you know, I've got this kid who, who wants to, you know, beat his friend. So Antoine wants to beat Charles. So he wants to beat Charles so bad because it's his best buddy and he's a little bit ahead all the time for the mm -hmm. last couple of years. And I'm saying, come on, what are you going to do now? You know, his game, you know, his forehand's a little weaker, his backhand is great. He goes down the line for winners, but his serve sometimes a little shaky. I'm like, okay, you got to exploit that. This year, you have to you know, move around on second serve and make him hit double faults if, if, if he hasn't improved his second serve. Uh, you know, hit more stuff to his forehand and make him choke a little bit. And you know what? It worked. It worked like last month. He beat him first time. So he was super oh, so, happy so about it. I know, big cheese. Because he had a like, goal. He had a yeah, goal. exactly. And I'm like, okay, well, next time you have to beat him again. So find, keep keep finding. So I'm feeding him. You know, he's hungry. That's That's the toughest part. When a kid is not hungry to learn or to play tennis, that's super tough. That's yeah, the, that's the difference. I mean, Charles is hungry. I think I yeah. I find it hard when they just expect it or it just should happen. Mm -hmm. And yeah. I try to create on the court and say, well, you need to focus and you need to really watch the ball and Goals, some of the kids I have goals with, some of them are just middle school, high school level, and that's like too deep for them. Like three months would be too much. But a goal for the hour, I say, what do you mm -hmm. want to accomplish in the lesson? What do you want to work on? Yeah. Okay, why aren't you pushing yourself more? You should run after that ball. Don't stop yourself. You could get it. And the toughest thing for me is when they say I can't. Mm -hmm. like multiple times or I'm not good. And it's almost like you have to re-coach their brains. And that's the hardest part if the kid is negative. And mm -hmm. it's almost like you're the coach and you keep getting hit with this negativity and you're just like, stop, <laughs> don't say I can't anymore. So it's true. I always say you can do it. You, you, know, you got to reinforce it. But then after like an hour and a half of somebody saying you can't, you're just, you need you need to like reset your brain. <laughs> so exactly. I try to tell the kids, say I can, don't say I can't because you're telling yourself you can't. And if you tell yourself you can't, then your brain's going to think you'll never be able to do it. Mm -hmm. And I think you're totally right. I agree hundred percent. And every time that a kid is saying stuff like that, then I'm like, okay, first I like it so much because for me, it's a, it's something that's, I have to it's a you know, challenge. To, it's a challenge. Exactly. That's the word. It's a challenge for me. I'm like, okay, I'm going to help you. Yeah. And to get the yourself, kid not to say what? I can't. Exactly. So for me, that, so I'm going to be, I have to be super smart every time. So for me, it's like using the brain, my brain to make sure I'm in their brain. Yes. So, so they can so they they start, they start to think positive. like me a little bit more. Yeah. Oogie, you're the most positive. I mean, I'm positive, but I know you're the most positive. I mean, I'm super happy that you're saying that and thank you. But I mean, I try to be every time positive, but realistic as well. I think it's mm -hmm. super important to, to see the reality of what's going on in front of you. And then you can ask questions to your student and make them think because that's all I'm doing. I'm observing. I, I like to say I'm one of the best observer in the world. And asking That's questions is so important. Yeah.
because you want it. Yeah. And you want to get back the answer. And if they give you the, I don't know, you say that's, well, I say that's not acceptable. You need to give me an answer. That's right. And I'm asking, see, I would ask them, well, what do you know? So let's say they're saying, I'm not good. Well, what are you good at? Can you yeah. put a forehand in the court? Can you hit a volley? Can you serve? Can... Well, yeah, I can do that. You're yeah. right. See? So you can actually do a lot of things. Maybe right now you're not playing as up to your standards. So let's just lower standards or maybe just put the ball in the court one time, two times, and then yeah, you know, or don't expect back. to be perfect every time. Tennis, you're you're you can't be perfect. You're gonna make mistakes. It's true. And 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 all the way to the top, because I remember when I, I went to, to your place and we started to practice uh, your serve. And I said, okay, go, let's go 10 serve and down the tee. And and you went like, it was good, but sometimes it was not good. And towards your standard, I'm like, what are you aiming for? And you said, the line. I'm like, are you serious? <laughs> you're aiming for the line? Yes, Ugi, and, I and was aiming like, for the line. Remember that time you said yep. that? And I'm like, wow, okay, let me just put like a, a empty ball can one foot inside the line and go for that target. And you went boom, boom. And you had nine out of 10. I'm like, your percentage is much better now because <laughs> your target was a foot yes. inside. I couldn't believe it. I mean, you were like 18 in the world and you're telling me that you're aiming for the line. I'm like, you're great, but there's no way you can hit the line every time. So I'm like, let's See, just put a foot inside. That's why we worked well together. You, you moved in the target a bit and then I made nine out of 10 instead of seven. <laughs> it exactly and see so so as a coach we have to adjust the goals towards what we're seeing because yes. obviously i'm not going to say a foot to my kids i'm going to say three feet or four feet yeah or i line. do a box a big box for a target yeah. you're right you're right so that's that's great and then they can have more success because that box is kind of you know you could put it bigger yeah so those are all really important so we have to make the, the kids feel great. And I think that's that's one thing really important for me. Every time I'm around somebody, they feel great. I mean, that it's instinctive. It's and you not want them to I... leave the court happy, but that exactly. they've worked hard and they have to yep. be respectful. That's a big thing. Well, yeah. I, have, I have a good little story for you. I have a, one of my 11-year-old students. Well, I have two stories, but my 11-year-old student, she won two of her matches yesterday and lost two, but it's only her second tournament. And she was my student who nine months ago would like cry if she had to serve in the sun and she wouldn't, she didn't want to move her feet. She'd start crying. And she just, it did not look like she liked tennis, but she really wanted to come to the lessons and we had to work through a lot of stuff. And it was a lot of oogie-isms, I'm going to say, where you had to be like, okay, pick this target. It's okay if you miss. Don't worry. Don't get upset because she'd get very upset if she missed. And mm -hmm. she would like be really hard on herself. I'd be like, it's yep. okay if you miss. Hit through the ball. So today she came with the biggest smile and she was like off the walls, happy. Like she had so many endorphins from winning these matches and losing the matches. And she gave me her whole tennis IQ rundown of what she did well and what she didn't. And wow. I looked at her and I said, I'm just so proud of you. Look how far you've come. You've she's literally her personality has gone from she looked like she didn't want to be out there, which she did want to be out there. She just didn't know how to emotionally handle it to mm -hmm. now she's having fun playing matches and she was scared to go play a tournament six months ago 
and it's like a totally different kid. That's awesome. Wow. And she so grew a lot. She grew so much. And then my other, the 10 year old won her first 12 and under tournament. It's huge. Yeah, it was big. And it's just the way that these two kids are understanding the game and the strategy. It's mm -hmm. so interesting because of what you said with the targets that you do and all of that stuff. And I learned some from you when you were coaching me and, um, it's kind of nice because it, you, it shows you that it works <laughs> instead exactly. of them just saying like, Oh yeah, I won today. I played so amazing. And then the next day is I sucked. Like my backhand was terrible. Nothing worked right. It was awful day. And you're like, yeah. Whoa, how about you just give me a rundown of the stuff? But exactly. Two little we kids, have to dig. Yeah. yeah. And the little, the 11 year old was happy to win too. And she was, she said, I can get better. I can move my feet more. The girl was better than me. She actually admitted that, okay, maybe I got beat because the girl was better. So it shows you that when you're coaching, and I know I've told you about this before, but I've realized when you're talking to the kids, sometimes they don't seem like they're listening, mm -hmm. but they actually are listening. Oh, yeah. and, then, and then sometimes they're totally not listening. But it is, right. it is, it's a funny thing because not everybody's the same. And how I was an, as an athlete is not the same as how everybody else was. But then you have to figure out how to coach all these different personalities. You're right. You're right. You have to, in a group, you have to coach like towards your natural abilities as a coach. You go out and you say, because they see through us, the kids, they see, you know, in like a, like a teacher, remember when you were in, elementary school or high school and anytime you had a new teacher after like 10 minutes you could say okay we can part in that school in that class oh no he's super severe so no we can't do anything so they can they have a great gauge for that they're natural at that so whenever you're honest and you're just being yourself that's the best way so a yeah. nice teacher and you gotta be tough you gotta be yeah. tough you, you definitely can't let them run you because i'm telling you Oogie, these 2023 kids at least in america they will try to run the show if you let them. Yeah, a little bit not as bad here, but still, yes, of course, because you know, life for them a lot is it's a lot. Often it's easy. You know, they have phones and this and that, and yeah, the their life is not their lives are not that complicated. And you know, in U.S. and Canada, it's nice. So, oh, I have um, a funny story for you, Ugi. Okay, it involves a phone. Oh no! I, I know you told me you the kids put their phones away. Okay, so yeah. my kids put their phones away, but they also go and take water and look at their phones. Oh no! So today I had a standoff with oh. my fourteen-year-old boy, who is now loving tennis, which is great, and he's nice. improving and everything. And but his older brother was on the court with me today before, and it's like we've got. His older brother doesn't give me any problems and he's older, right? But he comes on and he's like showing off and I'm trying to help him with his backhand because he's taking his uh, racket below his hip too much mm -hmm. and he needs okay. to keep it more neutral and not bend his knees, right? Instead of just dropping the racket. And he yep. goes, oh, hold on. Let me go um, check my TikTok to learn how to hit my backhand. No way. Yeah. And hey, I dude, looked at I'm him. Dude, I'm right here. And right I looked there. at him, I said, really? And he goes, oh yeah, this is way better. Um, I'm gonna learn so much more than you right now. And I got so bad and I let him go over there. 
then he looked at it and then he came back and he hit his backhand worse and then I fixed it and then he proceeded to tell me that I was too complicated in my explanation of how I was teaching him so I said okay that's feedback maybe I'm being Mm -hmm. too professional like I was I thought I was being pretty simple take your racket back turn your shoulders mm-hmm. but he was like do i turn backwards or forwards and i went you turn backwards He's, on the side <laughs> yeah and so so then i said okay i'll make it simple for you and so every time he hit a shot i said okay did you understand how to hit that shot you followed through on it do i need to go in because he told me that i don't speak simple english and so he was really letting me have it today And I said, okay, was that simple enough for you? And he looked at me, he goes, well, why are you being sarcastic? And I said, I'm being sarcastic. You are the one. You're being sarcastic. And then I'm standing there going, why am I arguing with a 14 year old who's trying to give it back to me? And so I finally said, okay, this is it. We're done. Go put your phone away. You're being disrespectful. Let's go. We're going to drill. And he like got all, he got this like, scared look in his eye because i had said we're done you're being disrespectful and i said then he's like no why are you being like that and i said okay well let's start over here no more TikTok. let's just play tennis and i won't so what was this whole thing that you were trying to get me to say to teach you and you don't understand and it really was oogie because He's 14 and he wanted to think he was cool and telling me yeah. to go on TikTok. And obviously he was just trying to get under my skin. And mm-hmm. it was just a rough 20 minutes, but then we we were okay. But it's like he likes to needle me. So have oh, you ever had a kid say, let me go look on my TikTok? Uh, no, no, but I mean, <laughs> I they would probably- That was the first. They would, they would go to, to drink some water and maybe- they would sometimes, sometimes they go say, okay, I'm going to go get some water. And then suddenly it takes like two minutes. I'm like, oh, what what are they doing? And then I send somebody up in the locker room to see if they're on their phone. I only saw one time, one guy that did that. The other time was okay. But uh, he got in trouble. That's not bad. He did 15 to 20 minutes of laps over the court. So that was, Oh, I like that. I might have to add in 15 to 20 minutes of laps for TikToking. I mean, (laughs) See, I mean, the main thing, like when I was saying earlier about setting goals with the kids, because first I'd like to give them a sheet of say, okay, give me a couple of goals of uh, technically what do you want to work on? What do you want to improve? What do you want to learn? I just, sometimes it's only as simple as I want to know how to uh, keep score for tennis. Okay. So in the next couple of months, we'll learn that. And then what else? Um, I want to hit hard, you know, stuff that they want to do. I want to hit the tennis ball hard in the court. Okay. So maybe technically we can, you know, do a little looping on the forehand and backhand and stuff like that. So, so it starts with them, their vision of what they want to do. Sometimes they don't have a clue. So then I guide them. Then you have to tell them. Most, most of the time they have really smart ideas about what they want to do. I want to start serving top spin. Oh, okay. Well, you're eight year old. Maybe you're not there yet, but let's just start serving flat and a little slice. And yes. so in that development with experience, we we get to pick and choose. And okay, right. So they write some stuff. And then the next day I correct with them. I say, okay, well, let's keep this. Uh, 
maybe I suggest I'll suggest you this and so and then it's 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 his project or her project and then I I get to help them for the next couple of months improving that and most of the time I'm like okay what's on your sheet whenever I see they're not focusing or they're having a tough day so I'm getting back to that sheet so that's like the answers of what they mm-hmm. want to do and they're the ones who wrote it so I'm like hey you wrote it down I agree with you so you need to you know get back well, to your hey, stuff I, oh. I I might have to Make people write things down more. Yeah. Get a shit of paper and pencils and let's and the next week and the next week we'll talk about that again. Yeah. And I'm gonna do the same with my that's kids. That's a good gonna, that's a good one, Ugi. I'm gonna redo it Monday, uh tomorrow. So tomorrow. And, and we'll, you're uh, gonna be like, nobody go on TikTok. Oh, I mean they don't do that for the sure. TikTok Sometimes sent me they... over the edge, Ugi. <laughs> Yeah, I mean that's that's not great. And uh, yeah, but they they don't have to they they're not allowed to use their phones, period. So there's no phones in their hands. If I see one, I get the phone right away, put it on, uh, put on that. We have a chair for the umpire court one. So I put that on there. And whenever they leave, take the bus, take, take the give phone. them their phone back. Okay. So, so we don't have, we, we, we found the solution perfectly there. So there's no TikToking whenever they're practicing because they're not allowed to, to yeah. use their phone. Well, I'm going to take the phones now. I'm not going to let them put them in their bag. I'm just going to yeah, take I mean, them for the hour. I feel like this phone is mine. Yeah, whenever they're they're with you, like from the moment they step on the court, the phones are off. I mean, they're somewhere you don't you don't want to see the phones. Yeah, for me, that's it. I don't want. You can have it wherever you want. I'm not can I'm not gonna take it from you. I just want to see it. If I'm seeing a phone, it's because you're asking me to text your parents or something or call them. Yeah, that's and different. that's allowed. Of course, that's yeah. allowed. But so no phones, and that's yeah, that's good advice. Cool. Well, Ugi, we had a little good coaching session here. We got to touch a little bit on speaking of coaching session. I mean, we got to talk about the NBA playoffs a bit. I know you've been following closely and the Phoenix Suns are given the odds to take the title. Is that for real? Really? I mean, that's what's going on because they're only the fourth seed. They're only the fourth seed in the Western Conference. So, and they're up 3-1 against the Clippers. So I guess, I guess that could be, you know, that could, you know what? The best, the best player for them, you know, KD, you know, Kevin Durant is playing there yeah. now, so the, he's a huge, huge, huge player for well, them. The, so the bookies seem to like them and Milwaukee yeah. Bucks. Uh, I I can't wait to see tomorrow's game because Giannis has hasn't been playing for the last couple of games. He injured his back the game one, so he had contusion, concussion, or contusion in his back. So he hasn't played the last two games, and you know what? They lost them both of them. So uh, it's going to be tough to come back if he if he's not playing then they're in trouble against Miami Heat but the Heat is the only eight seed and they're number one so they should go through quite easily but for now it's tough but this uh the, the Sixers already won their their match 4-0 so they're, they they clean they sweep they swept the Brooklyn Nets so they're up the second round already uh you know the Lakers your Lakers are still up yeah You're the up Lakers are still up but I this like goes on for like three months Oogie so it's it's, it's like the longest playoff so we'll we'll be true. able to come back to this so we just had to add a little bit in because I know yeah. you keep a close eye on it it's, and it's exciting it's exciting stuff yeah you know? it's, so, it's fun yeah, we'll stuff uh, you like the basketball more than I do I I like NCAA basketball it's definitely more exciting dare I say <laughs> super close games and i mean yeah. it's 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 college kids that have everything to prove of course and they're yeah not it's for different money, so. they're in, yeah it, i mean the playoffs yeah. i usually like in june that's when i focus in on them right 
<laughs> yeah, but towards you're going to keep but... me abreast on all the each week to week. We'll we'll go over a little bit. And, you know, I heard Tristan wants to go see the Mario Brothers movie. So are oh, you going to yeah, take him? Right. Oh, for sure. He bugged me about it the whole week last week. And, uh, you know, the, the you said that like the song with Jack Black is like, Yes, peaches. Super, super nice. It's climbing the Billboard charts, Ugi. Jack Black has made the Billboard charts. He's huge. I like him. He's, he's, you know, like in School of Rock and everything. He's got this little band going on, just like that. So yep. he's Well, that he's sounds so like the peaches. The, the, the other boy I had today was serving while singing peaches, 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 peaches. And I was like, what are you doing? And he goes, it's just stuck in my head. <laughs> I've got this one kid as well that does that. I'm like, Noah, you cannot sing while we're practicing. Why are you singing? <laughs> What's I mean, because when you're singing, you're not definitely not thinking about hitting your targets. Def definitely or, not, right? <laughs> you can't a human a human brain cannot do two things at once. It no. has it has been proven. Yes, so you, just one. We're you, only you one. You gotta task focus on one thing. You can't sing and serve. Sing after the serve, right? Exactly. I mean, when it hit, hit a hit a clean ace, then sing something, and then get ready for the next point. But yeah, Mario Brothers sounds sounds super nice as as the movie. So we'll see about that. But uh, you were saying something about the Diplomat as well, right? Like, oh, a yeah, we got a new show series. on Netflix. Oogie, it just dropped with Carrie Russell and Rufus Sewell. Hmm. I don't know if I'm saying his name right, but he is. I think he's British, but he's playing an American diplomat, and Carrie Russell is. American and their yeah. husband wife team, both ambassadors and something goes on. I won't tell you, but Carrie Russell gets called in to become the ambassador of Great Britain and Ooh. the president and the chief of staff kind, kind of have her. They want to try her out to see if she could become the next vice president. So wow. it's very intriguing and I, I really like it. I watched the first episode last night. So, Ugi, okay, so you got to start it with a neek so we can discuss. It just okay, came well, out. I'll do that this week. Promise. Okay, good. If and I know Out Outlander is coming with, out in uh, June. Yeah. Can get get ready for that, for that so Ugi. Be, yeah, no doubt. <laughs> I've been in that in the last month. <laughs> Jeez. So, <laughs> okay, yeah, so, I'll a couple of series there. But, you know, summer's coming, so I, I won't be yep. able to watch all that. So I'll be no, on the tennis court and the golf course. You'll but, be busy. Yeah. And you've got a big week ahead of you. You have your Tuesday playoffs for golf. That's right. Yeah. And you yeah, got, what did you get, a 305 in practice the other day? Uh, yeah, we're uh, we're actually playing... We play four rounds of uh, two courses, and they take the best three scores. So, we're, tomorrow we're uh, Tuesday after the tomorrow we're playing Pine Canyon uh, course in Arizona, mm -hmm. and we played Westfields uh, in Virginia. So that was the two courses. So, uh, played plus three once, minus one once. So that was good stuff. That was good, so, Oogie. So those were my two games that count so far, and I'm planning on playing in the minus again Tuesday. Let's okay. say minus Let's go. minus three. Okay, minus, minus three, three. Let's go. Yeah. And uh, wait, you're gonna follow it up on Wednesday. That's right. With the indoor Canadian national championships. That's right. It's in Montreal, uh, starting Wednesday, ending uh, Sunday. So, for our podcast, I'll be live in Montreal, maybe with uh, champagne in with, my trophy. With I don't the know. trophy, I, just, I love yeah, it. Hopefully, yeah. And I'm, I'm it's the senior division. Seed, yeah. You're the third. Yeah. Ooh, that's a good spot to be in. The yeah. third seed. That's a good number. Top to be bracket to win or the tournament. bottom bracket? 
actually good bottom bracket. So I'm not Ooh. facing the first seed until the, so you'll meet the, end. the and you'll meet the two two seed. Yeah, number two seed in the, in the semis. semis. So and there's from, one guy you you think is going to be difficult or two. Yeah, the first seed uh, is from Belgium, lives in Montreal now. He's pretty solid. So he's uh, he was always ranked top 100 in the world. So the category. So good friend of mine too. So Olivier, I'm coming for you, buddy. But okay. uh, first, we got we to gotta get there both. We've got yeah, exactly. Matches, One course, match at a time. Yeah. Oh, I'm Port excited Port for you, Ugi. This yeah, will be a nice from... next Sunday wrap-up. Ugi, the I champion, know. the Canadian yeah. champion. Yeah, with all kind of soreness everywhere. I haven't, I haven't been playing like five that's singles. A, that's and okay. You can three get an doubles. ice bath. You can have an ice bath. Yeah, I'm Ten, gonna ten get, minutes. I'm going to get your hyperbar chamber. chamber yeah, so we need you... to find you a, a pod, Ugi. There's got to be a pod in, in Montreal. For There's sure. got to be. For I'm going to sure. find it. I'm all right. So we learned a lot this podcast. I learned a lot. I hope, hopefully, everybody else learned a lot. This has been a lot of fun, Oogie. So now we got to end with the quote. Oh, that's right. Okay. So I got what a really quote good quote for you. All hmm. right. I'm ready. Well, I feel like, you know, kids and failure and coaching and how the, how they handle failure and you know when kids say i suck or this shot sucks mm -hmm. you got to remind them it doesn't suck it just is right. it's going to get better and that tennis you're always going to have errors and and winners and but you're never going to suck and the tennis game is never going to suck right so i'm going to of course and it's it's all, it's still a game of errors yeah, you know, even the best is. players in the world, most of their games, they don't have as much winners as errors. Mm -hmm. So exactly. there you go. So oh, you're going to miss more shots than you hit more than you make more a lot of the Definitely. times. Yeah. Okay. So overall, this is I'm going from a baseball movie again. Ooh. Okay. It's a great movie for love of the game. And this one character says it and he goes, and he's the main character. You've seen For Love of the Game, right? Yeah, was it with Kevin Costner, maybe? Yes. Okay, so Billy Chapel is talking to the owner of his team, and he goes, the game doesn't stink, Mr. Wheeler. It's a great game. So, Oogie, to all our kids tonight and tomorrow and this week, and you and your tournament, you don't stink. <laughs> You're learning tennis. It's a great game. That's right. Right? You're either you're either win or learn. That's it. Yeah, you win or learn. You don't stink. That's right. Nah, there's no such thing. You're right. Plus, we're having so much fun playing that game. So, uh, yeah, just have fun. Set some goals up and go for it and learn from them. That's I it. I agree. And That's tennis, is a, it's a game for a lifetime. It changes your attitude. It helps you deal with real-life situations, friends, exactly. family, everything school it, it teaches you how to how to be mentally tough exactly i couldn't say much better well you're right thanks for coming on oogie this has been serving aces if you like us please follow us on apple Podcasts, spotify podcasts believe.com at alexander stevenson at oog levadier and we Perfect. will see you next time have a great week oogie yeah, you too, Alex. Have a great week. And uh, yeah, we'll follow up on all our projects and points next week. Yep. And good luck. And let's go win the tournament. Allez.
Okay, bye for now. Bye.